Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now for this week's episode. Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, as we continue our adventures with COVID-19, we're switching streaming services. We're going to the Australian streaming service of Stan. If you live outside of Australia, you probably don't have access to Stan. But basically, uh, when we mention Stan in this episode, it's not some guy who sold us movies. It is a legitimate streaming service like Netflix or Amazon Prime or any of the others. So that's what we mean when we say Stan. The reason we've gone to Stan is because we're going to watch a science fiction comedy classic Galaxy Quest, uh, which is 21 years old this year. Joining me, as always, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Kato Sullivan, everybody. Hey, I'm back. You certainly are, Kate. Uh, Kate, you were on right at the start of the year for your first appearance for Animal Kingdom. How has your life been since then? I've moved cities and everything's different now. <laughs> um, yeah, I relocated back to Perth, the irony of which is not lost on me that we weren't doing this while I was in Sydney. And yet now, when I'm still in my apartment, we can now do this electronically. Um, and uh, I started a teaching degree because that way I can pay my rent. And mm. also it's fun. So I've, I'm now very much in a different place and space than I was blowing things up at the start of the year. Mm. And Galaxy Quest, you have not seen this film? No, uh, I have intended to see this film many times um, because lots of people I know who know the kinds of things that I like to watch have been like, you should watch this film. But I have not watched it for reasons unbeknownst to me. So what do you actually know about Galaxy Quest then? uh, I think the last time I was going to watch it and then didn't, I was with a bunch of my friends who are science fiction enthusiasts. So I am fully aware of it being a science fiction film. I know it's got Alan Rickman in it and Sigourney Weaver in it. Mm-hmm. Um, for comparison's sake, I won't explain why I know those things. And um, I know that it was, it's from the late 90s and that's about it. I don't know a lot about it. Something about aliens, that's about it. That's all I got. All right, well, joining us as, uh, I suppose, our Sherpa as we venture into the land of Galaxy Quest, it is Daniel Buckle. How are you, Dan? Hello, I am well. Um, yeah, ups and downs. This is a very strange time, but um, also a really interesting time full of lots of learning about ourselves and each other. That's a really positive way to look at a global crisis, and I'm going to embrace yeah. that myself. I had my panic panic attack earlier today, so I'm riding on a post-adrenaline calm. Ah, brilliant. Well, uh, in that post-adrenaline calm, uh, if we may join you in the rowboat going down the river of uncertainty, um, can you please tell us what you, in a vague non-spoilery sort of way, what Kate and people who haven't seen Galaxy Quest can expect from this film? 
well. Um, it's, first and foremost, it's one of the better spoof sort of movies that I think I've ever seen. I, I love parody movies, uh, but they can also be real hard bad. Um, and yeah. this one is really good. Um, I'll build it up too much now and, and you'll dislike it. Um, and, and actually I am interested to see cause I, I saw it, um, you know, soon after it was released. And, and so I've got a bit of that nostalgia factor as well. Um, but I still think as objectively as I can, that it's really good. Um, excellent performances, um, fantastic cast. And it gets, it hits all the right notes of the parody of like Star Trek uh, and sci-fi in general, but of course, primarily Star Trek. Um, it's just so well with such a, like the, it's, it's, it's like parodying it from a really loving perspective. And uh, just, just so we know, heading into this, given that it has um, such a, such a basis in Star Trek style science fiction. Kate, are you a fan of Star Trek? Have you engaged much with Star Trek as a property? I have some friends who are massive Star Trek people. So whilst I didn't get into it quite as deeply as they did. Uh, I am, let's say, well versed in in the start in the Star Trek over of things. All right, and yourself then? Um, I am and have always. I, I am and always will be your friend. Um, mm. Yes, I'm. I'm very deeply versed in Star Trek. Even though I just got that quote wrong, butchered it completely. Uh, my time to shine, and I ruined it. Uh, yes, I love everything that Star Trek's put out so far. I've seen pretty much everything and that is a very big factor in my love for this film. All right well with all that being said shall we watch Galaxy Quest? Yeah let's do it. Finger guns I couldn't do this on the podcast before. I mean you could but we still can't (laughs) hear finger guns that's that's the point. You You can't see this this finger you can see these finger guns right? I can see them but the people listening Oh, okay. People listening, <laughs> I thought you could see this. Imagine finger guns. They're finger great guns. finger guns. But yes, uh, I'm afraid that this still remains predominantly an audio medium. <laughs> All right, oh, those... then I can not worry about my pants not being on. No, 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 absolutely. No pants, not needed at all. Uh, For those of you listening at home, uh, pop in your DVDs and buy Grabthar's Hammer by the Sons of Warven. You shall be avenged as we watch Galaxy Quest. Welcome back, everybody. We've just finished watching Galaxy Quest. And by we, I, of course, mean Daniel Buckle. Hello. And Kate O'Sullivan. Yeah. Kate, that was your, first, that was your first time watching Galaxy Quest. What did you think? I really enjoyed that. And I now regret not having watched it sooner. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It is I a think fun I- film. I think our chat basically was half me just being like, what, 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 what? <laughs> yeah, and it was, um, it, it, it was kind of hard, like, trying not to put up things that I knew were coming up because mm. I didn't want to, to spoil that. I had to wait until, for example, I love the pig lizard, but I had to wait until I was pretty sure 
the pig lizard that I'd seen that yeah yeah was done uh, before putting anything up about them. Um, so so you enjoyed it? Yeah, that was great. Um, I'm glad I have a sci-fi background, like that mm. I like science fiction because I feel like if that there was a whole bunch of nuance in it that I was like, this is great. Where I don't know if everyone would feel that way, but I thought it was great. I would mm. watch that again. Maybe not like in the next week, but I would do- totally watch that again. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Uh, Dan, it was your, your first time rewatching that in a couple of years. Um, how, how was it revisiting the world of Galaxy Quest? Yeah, fantastic. Um, I, I have seen this one a fair few times um, and yeah, not that long ago. So I remembered, remembered it all pretty well. Um, did still see a few new things, of course. Uh, but yeah, I really like it. Yeah, I mean, it it's the nostalgia bone well, and I think it's still good. Yeah, and I mean, I, I can't remember exactly when I first saw this film, but I was, I was definitely in my teens, and I was probably about 13 or 14, so it was a couple of years after it came out, and I wasn't, and, and to be honest, still am not a massive Star Trek fan, it's not a show that I've watched wildly or massively, um, but it is it is still a film which works tremendously well. Um, it, 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 in, in, in terms of I didn't need that background um, of Star Trek. Did you feel the same, Kate? Yeah, I certainly, like I, as I say, I wasn't a massive Star Trek person, but I understand enough of the Star Trek-isms that I could sit there being like, oh yes, I see what you did there, well done. Um, I, I see, that, I see that, that costume disappearing very slowly. Well done, well done you. Um, <laughs> And all the little things that made me just just a little bit happy, but without having a need to have watched, you know, seasons and seasons of Star Trek to appreciate it myself. I mean, it's it's one of those things, um, and you might be able to tell that I'm at the tail end of writing a PhD about science fiction, uh, but... No, Yeah, I know. (laughs) One of the things that was really nice about watching it is it feels as though round about the 90s a little bit in the 80s but more in the 90s we hit this period where the rules of science fiction were so ubiquitous they were so sort of well known um and even individual properties like star trek that you could start to parody them and pastiche them and make fun of them in a way where audiences could engage with them like tim allen is just playing william shatner in this in this film and everyone knows that watching it i Something vague in my head says that that's not what he's trying to do. Mm. But I don't know why I think that. Like, he's obviously trying... Like, that's obviously the the character that is being parodied there. But I have a tiny thing in the back of my brain that someone told me once that he's not playing. Like, he's not trying to be Shatner, if that makes sense. He's trying to do... I get get exactly what you mean. I mean, because if he was trying to be Shatner, he would be talking like this the whole film. Uh, No. Yeah, <laughs> but but it's it's that Shatner Shatnerian Shatnerian Shatneresque. I don't I know. I think that works. Yeah, Shatnerian. yeah, Shatnerian. Yeah, <laughs> It's the Shatnerian uh, character that he is, uh, the archetype that that he is portraying. Um, mm-hmm. And and the thing is, is this cast do a really good job of playing into those major sci-fi collaborative tropes, particularly American sci-fi. You have the um, the the British actor who is playing a not human character um so they're ever so slightly other in like their voice sounds a bit funny and i do have to say um 
I miss Alan Rickman so much. I really, really do. Uh, watching him in this um, is is a delight. And Kate, it was your first time watching Alan Rickman in a new role. Like that's that must have been nice. So good. And I, like like I'm kind of part of me is kind of glad that I've waited because it's I get all these little treasures every so often of like mm. people who aren't making new stuff for reasonably obvious reasons. Um, and and yet I get to be like, oh, I get to discover this all over again. It's so nice. It is. So, hold on, you haven't seen much Alan Rickman? Oh, I, ha- I have, but there's, there's certainly things where I'm like, oh, I'll get to that eventually. I haven't seen that yet. And especially things like this where people are like, no, no, you'll love it. I'm like, I'm sure I will, but I'm not going to sit in my apartment and watch it by myself. That's not, yeah. that's not how yeah. I want to watch that. Yeah. Um, and Dan, yeah, I, I do have to also point out that we have... Um, actual science fiction film royalty in Sigourney Weaver in this film. Um, and she's excellent. Yeah, yeah, she's fantastic. Um, they're like all, all the main cast, well, I think all the cast actually, um, does uh, a, a really stellar role, um, not just in pastiching the, the things they're pastiching, uh, but um, in doing it so earnestly. Um, and um, yeah. It's, it's just really nice, all the little touches. Um, uh, like, I, I really enjoyed um, Sigourney Weaver when she was, uh, like, at the convention right at the start, um, when she was, you know, along with the rest of them going, you know, oh, God, we've got to do all this thing, and it's so stupid, and what's, he, what's my role on the ship, and I, I'm just a pair of boobs. Um, and then as soon as the, the crowd goes, she goes out, and she gives a performance and, and does it anyway. Mm. Um, That's something that I feel as though... Uh, you as an actor, Dan, indeed all of us uh, having worked mm-hmm. in performing arts. It's, it's an emotion we can all relate to. Yes, I have come to terms with the fact that I'm just a pair of boobs, so... I was going to write uh, in, the ch- in our chat that um, it reminds me of when I was doing Mary Poppins in Sydney, because it was like, all of the kids would run over to Mary and I was playing the villain and I'd be like, cool, I'm just going to stand here. It's fine. I just belted my lungs <laughs> out. It's cool. It's cool. It's fine. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was sitting there going like, I feel bad for you, Alan Rickman, because I know what that feels like. <laughs> but, but I feel as though they all captured that really well. And that's something this film captures really well is that idea of, of culture around um, popular entertainment. And I think it did it at a time that pop culture sort of examining itself through culture was something that was only really starting to happen uh, on a on a large scale um and it almost feels as though galaxy quest it it was it was absolutely at the right time but it almost feels like it was a little bit too early for it to be a really big success um and yet it yeah. came after spaceballs which was quite a big success yeah but again it's it's interesting how there certainly were comedies and pastiches and parodies before Galaxy Quest, but in in terms of that culture around um, fan engagement and fan interaction, right. I think that's the thing yeah. that Galaxy Quest really did, that at least nothing I can think of, nothing that comes to mind uh, prior to it that engages in that. Watching this film, uh, partly also because it's got Sigourney Weaver in it, was making me think of Paul, the comedy with... Um, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, who are going to conventions in America. Um, I still haven't seen it. That one is really good. It's it's yeah. well worth a watch, Dan. Um, but yeah, it's I'll do a podcast. Okay, um, but yeah, it it, it it examines that idea of what the sort of Comic Con early twenty first century kind of culture 
is. And I feel like this film is the first to kind of touch on that with the character of Brandon. Um, the the yeah. little nerdy boy needs to take the bins out, played by a very young Justin Long. Maybe Jason, maybe Justin Long, oh my God. He does so oh. well. <laughs> and there's quite a few babies in this. Baby Rain Wilson. I was Baby Rain Wilson. so shocked to uh, see. Who's Rain Wilson again? Rain Wilson is one, one of the um, Thermians. He's, he is one of the tall ones. He is in the limo. Um, he's the, the diagnostics guy. Um, and yeah, then who does, who else does he play? Oh, sorry. Uh, he oh. is Dwight from the office. Yeah. Oh, that's his name. Hence, right. hence yeah. the Dwight. Yeah. Yeah. Hence the Dwight stuff yeah. in the chat. I, I know it feels like. I knew it was Dwight, but yes, yeah. my God, I didn't know that before. And I hadn't seen that before. It feels like a really nice little peek behind the curtain, like feeling in this mm. film. And I was like, oh, okay. That's not what I expected, but in a really good way. I was like, oh, this is a bit of this that I wasn't expecting to see. You know, you say sci-fi and aliens and you don't necessarily get actor peek behind the curtain convention moments. Mm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it was really, really just, it's just a really fun, interesting film. It's such a great idea. The idea of, you know, what if you put William Shatner in space or Patrick Stewart in space um, or yeah. Craig Charles in space? Like what would happen if you put these, these actors who are famous to playing science fiction roles and what would they do? I feel like Craig Charles and Lister would have things in common. Uh, yeah, oh, a- absolutely. I think uh, I think he'd just be going, "Oh, this is brilliant!" Slash, oh, <laughs> shat me kecks, whatever Little it is. <laughs> um, so, th- the story, such that it is, though, is there is um, the the Thermians, the aliens, who talk a bit like this and have a so real, good. really interesting vocal quality. Um, the, and they're, and they're, really bad hair, really bad so hair. Bad. It's, <laughs> but but in a way that's just so endearing. I, I really mm. enjoy um, their, their terrible haircuts. I love the way they move as well. Um, just, just that that idea of which makes sense that a, a sort of tentacle squid-based creature trying to pass itself off as bipedal um, would probably look really daft as it as it moves around. Um, but I, I I really enjoyed them. But they're getting their butts handed to them by the evil Saris uh, and Dan. Uh, revisiting Saris, how was it seeing this uh, this horrible, snotty alien again? Uh, great. Um, the makeup and puppetry sort of prosthetic things uh, hold up really well, I think, um, as so often that does. Um, and I, I think the older I get, because um, I'm pretty sure I saw this when it came out, uh, but the older I get, the more I realise how how dark it does get because uh, he's, he's pretty brutally horrible. He wipes out their whole race, um, tortures them to death, uh, suffocates a whole room full of them um, and really enjoys watching their world crumble around around them at the end when uh, he reveals that they're actors. Um, mm. And yeah, it, it went from stereotypical bad guy in my head back then to like, oh shit, this guy's actually really horrible. He's awful. He's torturing people. He's like, he's forcing character development on Jason by making him like admit to the leader of the Thermians that he's an actor. He's not really he's this, this great captain. Yeah. And just, he's, he's a real piece of work. But as you say, I really love his rage boner though. Yeah. The bones that he come out. Angry. Yeah. And I, that, that's the thing. You're right. The, the, the puppetry on it is amazing. I noticed this time that his shoulder sort of 
flaps um, stacked on top of one another that kind of just oscillate slightly. They just ever so slightly move um, as he's talking. That was all him, Stephen. Oh, oh, well, Robin Sachs. He wasn't wearing armor. He was very talented, Robin Sachs. Um, But yeah, all all the stuff and like the the things sticking off the top of his head, the sort of leg-like antennas. It's one of the things that I think comes across in in Saris that is is clearly evident throughout the rest of the film is there's just a real attention to detail for the sort of things that make this type of science fiction really cool, really fun. Um, and it's like that bad. It didn't need to be that layered and that green and that all the, all those details, but they did it because this was really just a love letter to those programs. Yeah. It was less parody mm. and more, um, yeah, like love letter, um, finding all those beautiful little details and bringing them to the front. Mm. I see uh, it as quite similar to the Orville in many ways. Now, I've not seen the Orville, Dan. Um, so would you care to explain for the audience uh, what, what the Orville is? Well, it's, um, it's a, a newer work by Seth MacFarlane, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind, kind, kind of a parody of Star Trek in a similar way to this, uh, but it also... Is just, I think, quite good sci-fi on its own without being being focused on just gags. Mm. Uh, so the humor's there, but they also do a really good story that's born of um, loving parody and knowledgeable parody of it. Uh, so in a similar way to this, um, I think, so they probably drew a bit of inspiration, I would dare say. Mm. Fair enough. Um, I, I do have a couple of things watching it this time, uh, even though little things keep coming back to me that I really love, things like uh, Tony Shalhoub as Fred Kwan um, is just absolutely wonderful performance. Um, and and sim- Sorry, Dan, go ahead. Sorry, a delight. I should, mm. I should stop interrupting. No, no, it's absolutely fine. He, he is a delight. And Sam Rockwell is just having a ball. Just so, just, I'm out. I'm going under the desk. I can't, nope. <laughs> Yeah, there's a wonderful honesty to what what uh, Guy um, presents. Oh. Um, I, I, what's my I last mean... name? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm sure you have a last name. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's it, there's all these really lovely things, but I, I I did find watching the film this time that I found it really a lot harder to empathise with Tim Allen's character this time round, and I don't know if it's just a preconception that uh, around Tim Allen, because I, I tend to find that with a lot of a lot of characters where I can see his face, I have an issue. Basically, Buzz Lightyear, I'm fine with, and most other things. It's just, I mean, he's perfect in this sense because he just he just seems like he's not acting. If you get what I mean, it feels like I had the same problem with the Santa Claus when we watched that a couple of months ago. Is that it? Kind of just feels like they've just hired a guy who is this character who is essentially just kind of a bit of a dick. And like a, a, a bit of a dick who annoyingly wins and gets yeah. everything in the end. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's, that's again, partly, I think if they're evoking the, the Shatner, Shatnerian uh, <laughs> archetype, um, that, that was how that did happen in, in these older televised um, science fiction serials. Mm-hmm. But it just rang a bit, a lot of things about his character kind of rang a bit off. Some, some things yeah. worked really well, but... I can't yeah. say that I liked him 
Um, but that didn't mean that I didn't enjoy what he was bringing to the story. I just didn't like him. Uh, and I kind of feel like that might also be a product of the time that we are sitting in now, hmm. um, where people who act like that get many words said to them hmm. um, much earlier than perhaps they did uh, when this movie was set. Yeah. I, I, and it was it was also just little things like I didn't necessarily buy into n- what was going on between between Jason and Gwen. No. Um, it was almost as though they went, well, we have to lead male and lead female. They have to be romantically entangled. Yeah. Yeah. They had an opportunity to parody that and they kind of just leaned into it. And, and I was and so, I was so happy at the start. I was like, yes, do it. God, no, don't. Mm. Oh, you're, mm. <laughs> Like <laughs> the series of facial expressions, I'm sure translated beautifully on an audio yeah. medium, but um, yeah, like very happy at the start. And then just suddenly like, no, don't do it. Why? Don't, don't, don't make it a love story. Why are you making it a love story? It doesn't need to be a love story. It'd be a- Fine. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it's not the worst, most completely unbelievable love story. It's clear that they've, you know, they've known e- these characters have known each other for eighteen plus years. Um, um, Stephen, that begs the aside. What is the worst one then? <sighs> I have thoughts there. Please share them because I just went straight the to Hobbit. the world. The Hobbit. The Hobbit. God damn it! What was happening? Add different characters, yes. Uh, add more female characters, absolutely. Please do. But why is there a random love story? <laughs> by making them fall in love. Ah! We're, we're talking about Radagast and Gandalf, right? That's yes. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> I, I would have been legitimately so into that. Absolutely, <laughs> goddamnly, I would have been. Uh, but no, about, um, was it Silly and... Killy, um, Killy, the hot one. Killy, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, okay, well, anyway, I, sorry. I, I, I'm happy to agree with you on that, on that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, it's just one of those things where I can kind of get maybe that there was, because it is hinted at in, the, in that signing line at the beginning where you have that fan going, I kind of felt like there was something there and that's a legitimate observation that you can sit there, particularly with around culture that you are engaging with, pop culture that you're engaging with and going, oh, I'd love if these two characters got together or I feel like they've got a chemistry. Mm-hmm. But using that as like the instigating point for what ended up just, yeah, there's a big thumbs down from, from Kay on the screen. It, it, just, nah. it just read kind of a bit pants. And well, yeah. Especially when they then go like, you know, she's going to go over and have her photo with the like people who are all dressed the same way as she is. Mm. And she's going to reject him like full on hands down. Mm. And then we're going to come, oh, just, mm, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Yeah. And I think it's partly just because it's, it, it's, I don't buy it. And it's, I don't buy it. I think specifically because of this character that Tim Allen is playing yeah. this, yeah, um, as, and it's partly just because I don't think we ever really, we don't ever really get a sense of who Jason is beyond a struggling actor. And I think well, his life seems very hollow when you when you see his house. It's really clinical mm. and and Spartan, um, and it's clear that mm. he just gets drunk in it and passes out. Yeah, uh, which which to yeah, me, w- watching it today, makes me think, but that's kind of just Tim Allen. That's kind of what I think. <laughs> Tim Allen is like, yeah. He see he, he comes across as an ego on a stick. It's not. Yeah. He doesn't come across as a 
person, even even though we get that tiny little slice of life, like mm. it's not enough to make me go, oh Yeah, you know? and it's like, and I, I should say, Tim Allen is really good in this. Like, mm. like yeah. I, I think he's playing that character really well, but I, it's also just this thing of, I don't know that it's necessarily written in a way where I can kind of fully empathize with him and he is the captain. And that is an issue because the captain is the protagonist. Um, I wonder know, I, whether I'm if sure. it had been someone, I wonder if whether it had been someone else, whether you would feel differently or not. Um, because mm-hmm. I almost feel like it kind of wouldn't matter really who was in that role. Like I was trying to think of other people and I'm sure we will get to that point later on um, no who could have played that particular role and whether it would have helped. And I, d- he does such a good job of it yeah. that I just think the characters are turd. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't like him. Also, I, I, I mean, I guess the point of the film is not to make you empathize because these are not heroes. That's kind of the no. point is they're actors and you know we're actors we know actors actors are terrible people like you know they should not be in charge of um of of saving a a species in in this respect um and there's a lot of shaking heads here just going yep actors the worst um but it's i I suppose maybe because it's reflecting that it works but it, it was just something about it watching it this time that just irked me a little bit just a tiny bit that said though he does sit in a chair and do a thinking position like a good captain. Yeah, um, he's yes. definitely got and, that presence. Mm. You were going to say something? Uh, it just, in a way, his ego is kind of his superpower and it kind of actually works in this situation where everyone else is rightfully going, whoa, this is way too much. We can't handle this. This is outside our league. He's like, sure we can. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. and, and that ends up working. I think that um, is also what makes him uh, a little less sympathetic is because um, the others have their world turned upside down and have to re-examine their whole existences and he's validated in his mm. delusion. Mm. And so when he um, goes on his teleporty ride through the galaxy, he's really shaken up. But then the next time he gets to take them through it, all knowing and wise going like, ah, yeah, that old thing. Oh, come this way. I know mm. all these guys. And he, he gets to win again. Yeah. I would, I would quite like to know the science of the let's cover you in goo and shoot you through the galaxy moment. Well, I mean, um... this, this is one of the things I'm excited about because, Kate, you are um, someone who has worked my... in science. You yes, have... I, my background is nanotechnology and chemistry and blowing stuff Fantastic. up. So, yes. So, this is, this is, a, this is a fun uh, new segment that I've just invented now called what the science uh, where we're just going to have a look and see at okay was there any science that this this very science fictional not serious show uh, program was there anything that they did that made you go actually not bad not far off um bringing something back into an atmosphere will cause the outside of the ship to get really hot and that's generally considered a bad thing and so the flames coming off the sides of the spaceship at the end are not inaccurate um i also liked the consistency of someone gets shot and there's blood and guts of some description mm-hmm. that was uh, nice okay um and black and- hole question mark shooting people through space question mark things not expanding massively when you shoot them into space question mark but yeah. you know <laughs> was there what, th- what about the rock monster and be honest i mean i 
I'm a Doctor Who fan, so I can live with a good rock monster mm. any day of the week. Um, but, you know, those rocks should definitely have been pulled apart in the midst of space. Yeah. So, what maybe, went on there? I mean, maybe we would have seen that had we stayed with, with the rock monster as, um, as he yeah. flew off, off. Into, into, into space. Might have happened. Okay, what's the most egregious thing then? What's the thing that made you go, hang on a minute? I, I mean, imagine there was a few. There were a few. Um, I think I think shooting someone, covering someone in goo, and shooting someone through space was probably the thing that made my brain just go. But wait, what? Um, the first time, and then the second time, I was just like, you know what? Look, fine. Like I, I don't like it. I can't, I can't make this science in any way, shape, or form. But I'm okay. Like I can live with it. I mean, theoretically, I think the idea of covering someone in a goo so that they would survive re-entry is kind of a cool concept. Um, but I imagine that logistically, not the most sensible approach. No, no, that's all going to come off the second you accelerate them anywhere because it's not attached to them. So you're going to have a puddle of goo at your feet, maybe a couple hundred metres behind you. Like, it's okay. not going to... Um, I also always have a bit of a bugbear of explosions in space mm. because where does the oxygen come from? It's inside the ship. Yeah, not that big. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I just wanted to point out uh, that in our in our text chat, Kate, you did also throw in Mac fifteen being close to eighteen thousand kilometers per hour, and then you just wrote, yes. "So no, so no." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I it, it would hit the ground and mm. it would stop. Um, I would question whether it would go the length of a singular car park and stop. You think the ship would have maybe gone slightly further than a car park? I feel like it might have just deflected off the surface and kept going in a straight line, tangentially mm. to the side of the planet. For... Okay. But they did have the brakes on. Mm-hmm. So factor oh. that in. And <laughs> gravity on the other side of it and yeah, yeah no it's still I, I had my moment of just being like all right sci-fi movie fine fine i know i understand what you're doing i find it less egregious but you do know how much mark 15 is right 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 at least they got the unit of measurement right and then didn't say parsecs or something yes mm -hmm. I, I i'm like i was well well done on on going for a speed um, I will grant <laughs> Uh, but yes, that's, that's 15 times the speed of sound for those playing along, so it fast. Yeah, that a lot of map. Um, I, I would just like to point out that the, the goo technology, while in, incredible um, in the literal sense, uh, at least it was consistent because a lot of the ship had goo technology. Um, this is true. The, uh, the gun, when it was squashed by the squashes, um, was filled with, with goo. That's what powered it. Yeah. I'm just saying, goo-based economy, it works. They were consistent. It was. And, sure. I mean, goo itself just has a consistency in general. Um, oh, damn, I didn't go there. To, to wrap up the, the uh, review, I guess, what before we get into the trivia, um, I, I do like that end sequence. I do like the crashing the ship into a convention, Everyone comes out looking completely disheveled. The baddie's still there. You shoot many explodes. Like I, I, I watched that and I went, you know what? That that is the best entrance to a con I think you could have. Despite all the health and safety stuff of literally destroying half the convention center, destroying the cars, probably how many people the... did it get crushed? <laughs> yeah, probably killing quite a lot of people. Conventions are usually quite packed. Yeah. Um, 
uh, that one was quite packed. Yeah. But yet. So they'll go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of awkward. But uh, another goo-based techno- goo-based form of economy. <laughs> yeah, they, they all had uh, flubber from from a couple of years earlier, still on their boots, and they just bounced away because that's how physics works. Um, but yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> but that ending is the big dipping kiss that I'm not necessarily a big fan of. Aside, I think is quite an effective ending. Like, and I I did sit there and go, you know what, this would be this would be a really interesting show like the return of Galaxy Quest would be really interesting because all of those actors know that aliens are watching them and believing what they're doing. And I, it does make me wonder, what would that show look like? It's I got also... a lot of ethical ramifications as well. Yeah. Because they are knowingly then shaping an entire civilization, albeit a civilization that's reduced to now just one ship. Oh. Well, and, and arguably, sort of, well, I guess they, no, I was going to say that they, um, they now know that they're actors, but they don't because they decided that they weren't. And I'm like, but oh, little gullible person, well, gullible Thermian. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I just don't know what that pressure would do to me if I was an actor on that show, knowing that it's like, a, just, just essentially, you can't have filler episodes. That's, that's kind of the thing <laughs> is you can't have an inconsequential episode. It'd be the Gilmore Girls reboot. It'd be four episodes, like wrap up a bunch of fun storylines, do something expected, and we're done. Like, and, there's no way you could do it any other way. And probably do some scenes right. where it's like, have you guys seen the Earth? That place is cool. We should all be super cool to everyone from Earth and be super nice to them. What yeah. I um, like uh, about the implications of the, um, the Thermians having the historical documents is that they would also have other shows like Gilmore Girls. Would there not be members of their race who had adopted more to other shows? Perhaps they were Gilmore Girl-orians. I should have thought about the word before I said it. Gilmoreans? Thank you very much. You're welcome. (laughs) That is tremendously exciting and also very disheartening um, when I think about (laughs) somebody trying to create Love Planet instead of Love Island, for example, like that would exist. <laughs> well, the the reaction to Eric is next well. top Thermian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, but their reaction to Gilligan's Island was, I think, one of the funniest in the whole film. Oh my God. I mean, you don't think Gilligan's Island? Oh, those poor people. <laughs> well, they're they're gonna get lost any time now, and uh, oh, lost yes. is gonna break their hearts. This Christian. <laughs> I can't believe that they executed Ned Stark. He was so wise. <laughs> this she seen bean that does not survive his movies. He is very unfortunate. <laughs> uh, would you guys like some trivia about Galaxy Quest? Yes. Love it. Finger guns. Yes, I would. The scene when Tim Allen is in a men's room overhearing how the cast of Galaxy Quest are nobodies and all of the co-stars can't stand him mirrors an actual event from the life of William Shatner. Uh, William Shatner discovered the exact same things about himself when he attended a convention in 1986. Aww. Like, it felt really real and really yeah. accurate to something that could happen to someone. But like, aww. That's yeah. sad. That is sad. Um, but also if you behave like a bit of a dick for 20 years, then maybe that's going to happen. Yeah. It it certainly, it it would be a pretty not nice experience. Um, 
But yeah, um, Tim Allen actually admitted that he was quite starstruck when making this film um, when he met Sigourney Weaver. Um, he He's a huge fan of the film Alien, um, as indeed I think lots of people are. Um, Tim Allen got Sigourney to sign some of his Alien memorabilia between takes. Um, she did, uh, and she wrote on it, stolen by Tim Allen, love Sigourney Weaver, which apparently made him very upset. Fair enough. Like, it's not what you're there to do. Yeah. Look, look, Sigourney Weaver signed it. She can write whatever she wants. That's that's not, the the message isn't the point. It's that Sigourney Weaver signed it. That's that's kind of where you're at. Uh, I mean, she wrote your name, Tim. What do you want? Like, (laughs) yeah. Also, you get to do a swoon and make out with her on on stage as well. Like, you know, you're doing that. Life's so hard when you're Tim Allen. Uh, uh, the director, Dean Parasot, and star Tim Allen have revealed in interviews that the original tone of the film was much darker, uh, with more scenes of violence. After test screenings, the film was recut to emphasise the comedy and obtain a PG rating. Um, yeah, apparently there was a lot more blood, swearing, that kind of stuff in the... That explains episode. the world's worst dub moment. Yeah. Where she goes, <laughs> screw that, but it's screw that, clearly... But it's yeah. not screw that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, that's... That's not what you said. She clearly said uh, duck yeah. or something to that effect. <laughs> yeah, fire truck. Um, yeah, she I clearly fire trucked that moment. Yeah. yeah. I thought my internet had just lagged at that moment, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, it's, it is very obvious when you're looking for it. It's, um, but yeah, I think that's really interesting what, what this film would have looked like with a darker tone. I think you can feel it a little bit with... Mm. Um, some scenes you kind of get the darkness like even in the scene where he's being forced to admit that he's an actor Mm. you're like this could have been a much darker film based on that kind of stuff maybe as well dan you said before there's this tonal shift um where it suddenly gets very heavy maybe it's just that they kind of cut away as much of the heavy stuff as they could and that ended up making the first half quite light Perhaps so, yeah. But uh, I, I kind of think that was maybe then part of uh, the intention, at least after they decided to make it more funny, was to still have that edge of ha ha ha, but then the consequences of, of it all. Mm. Um, and also it, it matches well with their performances, which are all so earnest, even though they're being often so silly um, and, and even um, self-aware sort of silly. Uh, they still do it really earnestly. Uh, so I maybe maybe that itself came from original intentions of it being a darker film. So they all gave it a different sort of an edge than they might have for just a comedy. I also wonder what some of maybe like the CG would have been like, because there are moments where you're like, oh, cool, that's a green screen. Um, but I wonder what those, maybe those moments also looked different to what we see now. We don't see the dark, the, the rock monster is less, cuddly big rock monster it's more actually scary rock monster or mm. or the little more. cute um green alien things that eat each other maybe they look even cuter to begin with they all look like baby yodas and then they look really vicious when they start eating each other it's exactly it's that like whether there's that um bigger switch away from the self-dead species mm. uh, on the rock planet while we're talking of uh, rock planet aliens 
Um, Lieutenant Laredo chides Dr. Lazarus for holding his tracking device upside down, claiming that he actually thought Dr. Lazarus's character was smart or something. Um, this is a reference to the first season of Star Trek, where Mr. Spock often holds the tricorder upside down due to Leonard Nimoy not being familiar with how it's supposed to be used. Didn't know that. That's great. Yeah, so, yeah, I'd very much uh, like to go back and watch some of those and just see very serious Leonard Nimoy essentially just holding the phone the wrong way around. I think it could, exactly, be, yeah. could be tremendously good fun. Oh, I, I love the original series. I think, I think of it as a comedy now. It's so fantastic for that purpose. Mm. Uh, Gwen DeMarco laments that her TV Guide interview was six paragraphs about, about my boobs and how they fit into my suit. Uh, this actually happened to Jerry Ryan, who played Seven of Nine in Star Trek Voyager. Indeed, this one I knew. Yeah. yeah. That's I'm... maddening. That's maddening. Like, it, it, it's a great thing to parody and a great thing to point out, but... Mm. But then uh, they kind of play into it as well. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> like, I'm at the end, they had a, a good opportunity when they were doing the, the return of um, Galaxy Quest to, yeah have her wearing um, uh, a proper uniform and instead they... Oh, so it would stay on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think that's an interesting point as well, is that this is a film with basically two female characters, Kate, in um, obviously Sigourney Weaver's character, Gwen, and the love interest uh, of, yeah. of Tony Shalhoub, um, who... Get, gets a name at the end of the film in the credits. <laughs> but that's kind Maybe, of about Maybe it. Gunner? Yeah, and it's... Um, I suppose it's one of those things that's interesting to look back on something which itself is reflecting on something that came quite a bit earlier. Because if the original series of Star Trek is something that's heavily based on, that's a series that did not have a tremendously massive amount of female performers. How did it read for you in, in that respect, in terms of what they were parodying and how they were parodying it? Um, did, did it work effectively for you? I think that because it is a parody, and to me at least it is very clearly a parody of something that people note as being problematic, it didn't bother me so much. And I mean, we get great. I know she's not really a character, but like the mum, and like you will mm. take the bins out. You get little moments of like good stuff in there, um, mm. even down to like, um, you know, not that, not that, not that, not now that I know you. At yeah. the, right at the start, like you get just these little things that I'm like, okay, so you get that you are doing that mm. kind of on purpose. Mm. Um, but it is one of those things that is interesting when it is pointed out in a film like this that it needed to be pointed out at all. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I was never really into Star Trek and it might be a little bit because I'm like, I, why, why? Like, why do, who, who am I watching in this? I'm watching mm. a pair of boobs walk around a screen. No, thanks. Uh, I'll go and watch also, James Bond instead. Like, yeah. Also, the there's just a lot of male characters and a lot of male driven storylines as well. I know that obviously Star Trek has adapted with time over the years, you know, obviously, um, you know, Captain Janeway is, probably the best captain. I, I know Picard and Kirk fans will be, will be not very happy, but you know, Janeway for life. She, she great, she great. Yeah. I'm a fan for the record, but yes, she's fantastic. Um, but yeah, we see, I, I think you, there, there is potentially a paper, it may already exist in looking at the role of women in sci-fi just through 
just through Star Trek and seeing that development. Um, but yeah, it, it's a real issue. And I think this film, I think ultimately from, from, from my perspective, I feel like this film does more good than harm in that respect. Yeah, I think, I think that's definitely true. I think it's not because it isn't, I don't want to say that it's, her, you know, her, her um, uniform doesn't start open to the navel. It starts closed and progressively parodies the fact that it always ended up open to the navel hmm. rather than it starting there and you having, you being like, okay, this boobs on display this entire thing. Hmm. Um, you get just the right amount of, we're taking a dig at something rather than necessarily being like, no, hmm. like, yeah. Uh, the film Galaxy Quest was one of the first to have its own internet domain and website, galaxyquest.com. Uh, this is now only available via the Wayback Archive if you want to go visit it. However, rather than being a polished part of the film's marketing campaign, the site, in keeping with the film's fandom theme, was deliberately designed to look like a fan page with screen captures and poor HTML coding. Oh, that's great. That makes me really happy. <laughs> really clever. Yeah. Uh, again, Odds on it, it's run by Brandon. Well, it probably is. Yes. And also, that, that's Hi, one of the things... Welcome to the server. Uh, I'll be your moderator. Oh, boy. That's a really good uh, Justin Long. <laughs> 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 um, but, but one of the things that, again, it, it just kind of feels like this film was in the right hands, where when you find out things like that about it, where it's it, it clearly knew a lot of what it was doing, but also enough of the sensibilities to try and make a good solid science fiction story. And I think it does achieve that by and large. Yeah, I mean I mean down to, you know, Alan Rickman's hair poking through the the alien cap at the end, you're just mm. like, of course it ripped. Of course it ripped. Perfect. Mm. Now your hair is everywhere. <laughs> like um, and it's interesting as well the the influence that this film has had on other science fiction films. The the next trivia point uh, absolutely goes into that because it started to affect Star Trek itself. Um, in the audio commentary for the 2009 Star Trek film, J.J. Abrams says, quote, by the way, I think we've all gone on the record as saying that one of our favorite Trek films is Galaxy Quest. And this sequence, it's a sequence where Kirk and Sulu are falling towards Vulcan without a parachute, is clearly a homage to T Tony Shalhoub's great save in that film, end quotes. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, um, it, it's interesting that, yeah, it has now become a science fiction text which has influenced what has come after it in a way that I don't think Spaceballs ever did, to, to go back to that comparative example. I don't think Spaceballs continued any great discourse about science fiction and fantasy uh, on the screen. It was just Mel Brooks doing a bunch of zingers, which absolutely has its place. But I maybe, think mm. maybe Ludicrous Speed did. L yeah, Ludicrous Speed. Open that out there. No, okay, no, that's fair. Ludicrous Speed, but like, I suppose it's different. It, 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 there's certainly a different feel. It feels as though the Spaceballs line kind of ended oh, with yeah. once you've seen Spaceballs. It feels as though Galaxy Quest has had a bit more of a a life mm. quite a few years after the film aired um, originally, which is kind of an interesting one. Uh, many of the original Star Trek actors were fans of this film. Uh, there's a load of quotes to pick from. I just went with Patrick Stewart um, because the story behind it is quite funny. Um, he originally didn't want to go see it because he'd heard it was a film making fun of Star Trek. But then Jonathan Frakes rang him up and said, 
you cannot miss this film. Go and see it on a Saturday night in a full theatre. And Sir Patrick Stewart says, quote, I did this, and of course, I found it was brilliant. Brilliant. No one laughed louder or longer in the cinema than I did, but the idea that the ship was saved and all of our heroes in the movie were saved simply by the fact that there were fans who did understand the scientific principles on the ship worked um, was absolutely wonderful. And it was both funny and touching in that it paid tribute to the dedication of these fans, end quote. Um, That's a good yeah. thing to get from it. According to the writer, David Howard, the continuous melodic yet monotone nature of Thermian Commander voice was an original idea that the actor Enrico Colantoni brought to the character as the commander. He came up with that of voice course. and they loved it so much on set um, that they made all the Thermians speak like that. <laughs> yeah, they all look like they're trying to do impressions of him. Yeah. yeah, and he does it so well. It's just such it's, a... It's, it's the moment where, like, if you're on stage with a bunch of improv people and someone starts doing something, you're like, oh, I have to get on board. And I don't want to, but it's great. But I really don't want to get on board with that. Mm. Uh, in terms of actors that could have played uh, the the oh, role yeah. Tim Allen played, um, originally Harold Ramis was attached to produce this film, not to be in it, but to produce it. Yeah, right. Um, he he left before it got into full production, but the actor that he really wanted to play the role was Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I still think I would have hated him, but like oh, that's fine. I, I think. Like a- same level of ego and arrogance. I think maybe yeah. I would have disliked him slightly more. And again, I really like Alec Baldwin, but I don't know if I would have believed Alec Baldwin in his inspirational captain moments, in those delu- moments where he's deluding himself into thinking, no, I am the captain. I am the captain now. I know what's happening. But I wonder whether that would have almost been better because he would have seemed more deluded. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, some of the other actors that, that were linked included uh, Kevin Klein. Yeah, he could have done it. Uh, and Steve Martin is the other one I have here. I think Steve Martin could have done it well. Because he and Tim Allen can have the same level of um, kind of knowing they're a con, but kind of going for it anyway. Yeah. But I don't know that I would have believed some of the like the the darker, more serious moments with Steve Martin. Like I don't know that the the admission of being an actor would have come across the same way as earnest-faced Tim Allen does, because um, there would have been an eyebrow or a something Steve Martin-y in there. Yeah, fair dues. The set know. of the NSEA protector was built on an articulated platform so that it could move a few feet in any direction for a touch of realism, instead of having all the actors just three, two, one, <laughs> all move to the same way. Yeah. Um, however, when they first Star- used it... Star Trek series did that as well. When they first used it, the set dropped two feet and shifted to the side, causing several cast members to fall out of their chairs and two lights to fall down. That's an expensive mistake to make. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's nice to know there's a little bit of genuine terror in (laughs) in what was happening there. Uh, I I still love some throwing myself at the floor acting, though. Like, Yeah, and it it looked really good. It did look really good in this film. Like, they nailed that. Uh, Instead of ripping off the standard Star Trek thwip sound for the automatic doors, uh, the NSEA protector's automatic doors were given the same sound uh, that was used on the doors in the video game Doom. Ah, fun. Mm. So yeah, if you go back and you're a Doom fan, you listen to that, it's it's the Doom doors, which I just think is kind of fun. 
also what I think is fun is your um, uh, impression of the old Star Trek doors. Oh, Good use of a th <laughs> yeah. You mean the swoosh, <laughs> very safe. Yeah, I've played many a door in my time. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's adorable. The final bit of trivia is to do with Saris, the evil warlord. Uh, he was named after the film critic Andrew Saris, who once trashed uh, a film that one of the producers uh, working on this film made. Uh, the producer Mark Johnson's The Natural from 1984. Andrew Saris apparently did not like it, so he went, fine, I'm going to name this bad guy Saris, and he's going to get blown up, and everyone's going to cheer. <laughs> oh, that's so Beautiful. good. <laughs> It's it's lovely. Um, I, I I love, I love when pettiness likes that. Just just kind of, it because it, it's almost harmless. Like uh, the sort of pettiness when it has no serious consequence. Um, I yeah. think is is quite funny. And I I think if you were, uh, hopefully Andrew Saris is um, still around. And when he watched that film, he might just go, yeah, fair dues. All right. <laughs> I bet he just never make the connection. Possibly. But Saris is such a great bad guy name. It's a good, good name. Good name for a reptile species. Yeah. And like, I, if any of us became film critics, I mean, look at us right now critiquing a film, but if any of us became film critics, um, I don't think our surnames would work. Like, for example, Dan, Buckle doesn't work as a, as a name for a baddie. A clan of hobbits, perhaps. Yeah. No. <laughs> and similarly, O'Sullivan... I don't think it would necessarily. No, I'm work. a warring, warring tribe of Scots or Irish people. Like that's yeah. that's yeah. My son is a bunch of angry Brits. My son is Platt. I just sound like something's hit the ground. <laughs> like, it... what's his name? You could Platt. you could be uh, a Doctor Who uh, villain though, Stephen. The Platt. Oh, no. It's the Platt that <laughs> found us. Yeah. Okay. You know, what? I'll I'll take that. Is it? Is it? What level of Doctor Who villain is it though? Is it like a proper scary one like the Angels or is it just like Peter Kay in a rubber suit? Well, I think <laughs> it's one of those ones that looks all stupid, but then gets real. It's mm. like, I want my mummy. And then they're everywhere and it's in your nightmares. Yeah. The all right. I would absolutely take that. Guys, uh, that brings us to the end of this episode. All that remains is to score the film. And Kate, this is your first time watching Galaxy Quest. What are you going to give it out of 10? Um, I mean, I really enjoyed it. There are things about it, as we've discussed, that I'm like, eh. but it wouldn't stop me recommending people to watch it. So um, I'm going to give it, I'm trying to remember what I gave Animal Kingdom because I feel like I would give it like eight disappearing shirts out of 10. <laughs> No, that's that's entirely um, fair. Yeah. That shirt, that shirt did disappear pretty quick as well. I I like that I was progressively like thinking, hang on, what? Where's the where's the shirt gone? And then realised that it's a Star Trek thing. I was like, God. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, Dan? Uh, what would what would you give Galaxy Quest out of ten? Uh, yes, I I think it holds up in great many respects. Excellent performances, fantastic cast, um, some really clever things in there but also some missed opportunities and some things where they've clearly just gone, well, let's also put the Hollywood movie part of it and undermine ourselves and our, our good things um, uh, at, it, at that ex expense. Um, so I will give it eight beryllium's fierce part of him. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, and for me, 
it's it's just really good fun. I, I don't think it's a particularly brilliant film um, in terms of I don't think it does anything massively revolutionary. It doesn't really take my breath away, but I have such a good time with it um, that that doesn't matter. Um, this is this is a really great film to watch on you know a Saturday night with you know some friends. Uh, particularly friends who are, you know, minded in the sort of science fiction tradition and you can sit there and just have a laugh. And I I just really respect it for being that. I think it really nails that feeling, which is not an easy thing to do. It 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 makes fun of that culture without belittling it. Um, which I think is a really it's something that American films really struggle with, the idea of of not picking on the little guy. I don't know if that's a cultural identity they have. Um, who knows? But um, for me, I would give, I, I've got to give it seven inside out pig lizards out of 10. Um, it's, yeah. and that for me still, when I watched it the first time was the funniest bit and it remains the funniest bit. And it exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Uh, Kate and Dan, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you very much for watching Galaxy Quest with me. Pleasure. Thanks for having thank me. Yeah. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for tuning in. Uh, hey, if you've got thoughts on Galaxy Quest that you want to let us know, why? We can be found in all manner of places. We can be found on Facebook. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. Leave us your own reviews of Galaxy Quest. Um, by Grabthar's Hammer, we have a Patreon. And you can give us uh, little bits of money to help uh, pay for things like the streaming services, the upkeep of keeping everything online, all these little bits and pieces. We have a very small but dedicated Patreon community, which I'm very grateful for, but we're always happy to let in new members. Just go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. Have a look online there. Uh, see if there's anything that tickles you fancy. And if you just want to chuck us a dollar or two, I'll happily take it. Thank you very much. And of course, make sure that you're subscribed to get a new episode each and every week. Um, you know, I imagine a lot of us are sitting around waiting for new things to happen at the moment with the state of the world. Uh, we, at the very least, can talk about films you may or may not have seen. Just make sure you find us on Spotify or SoundCloud or iTunes and you'll get an episode there. And we'll try and take your mind off all the troubles for, for at least an hour every week. But that's all. Uh, for this episode so until next time never give up never surrender, never surrender. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.